I, I love that uh, because I, I just, now I can't get this out of my mind. I was sitting there thinking this is how my mind works sometimes. Hello, I am Pastor Tim. How are you doing this morning? Good. Good. Thank you. Yep. Amen. So I'm sitting there thinking now I'm thinking that the kingdom of heaven is likened to the kid with the pop tart. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes you have to, I don't know. I just love it. Uh, Joe, I, I love your heart for the Lord. Where are you? Her, her and her husband, Taylor, is the, uh, what I call him this morning, how do you combine a drummer and a keyboard player together? Pretty talented. Can we give it up for that dynamic duo? Yeah. So um, I love the, I love Joe's 27 years old, and um, she's just being honest with you uh, and about how she's uh, in a process where the Lord is just renewing her mind to all different things. But I love that she has a platform to be honest in her youth. I wish I would have had that, right? I feel like sometimes in my youth, our growing up, we couldn't really be honest. The guy on the platform or the lady on the platform, they really were so scripted that, um, that really you didn't really get a peek into their life, right? And um, sometimes, you know, you just got to have a, sometimes a peek into real life. How many of you are actually living a real life, right? Yeah. And so um, the beauty of it is, is that God has you a brand new life. Amen. And um, what I've learned over the years is, is that that, uh, uh, that new life in him takes me growing into it and understanding what that fully means, right? Um, that's why we grow into the Lord, right? And so I just uh, want to welcome you to our third part series of Set Apart. Do you know that God, when he, when he saved us, when he sent his son Jesus to come to the earth uh, to save humanity from destruction, from the wrath of God, from all these different things, from the evil nature of, of sin, he, he wants for himself a bride, right? Do you know that? He wants himself a bride. God is coming back. Do you know that? Right? And we've been talking lately about the, the urgency, a sensing an urgency of God's return. Amen? Do you remember that there was a parable of, of ten virgins? And those ten virgins, there were five that were wise and five that were foolish, right? Uh, and I don't know if that's in the church today, but I hope it's not. I hope um, that we're not uh, wasting our time, that we're not, we're not snoozing on 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 the party that's even happening right now and and the one that's to come the eternal party you know that the one that never ends amen and on forever right i love it and so i want you to join me today in in uh, second peter no first peter chapter 2 First Peter chapter two. We're going to go there this morning. We're going to look at about five verses, but I want to recap. Um, a series recap would go something like this: being set apart means completely connected to to God's holiness in our thoughts, feelings, and actions. Right. So, so what we're saying is, is that our brokenness, our sinful, hopeless, restless, chaotic state, right, which was which was a reality, right. Like, like, let's put this now out of your life and let's put this in the context of the historical thing that happened with Jesus. Jesus came to bring peace to the world that was broken, that was fallen, that was sinful, that was hopeless, right? That was in a restless, chaotic situation. Do you know that Jesus came to bring the light and truth to humanity, right? And now you have received that gospel good news, right? 
Someone say amen, right? Or I'm going to really go evangelistic and try to save all of you, right? But in the first chapter of Peter, of 1 Peter, where, we, where we've been for uh, two weeks, uh, Peter is exhorting. Now, what does this word exhort mean? It means to strongly persuade. So he's strongly persuading these young believers that they have now a complete life by God's grace. A complete life by God's grace. Now, they are being put through the ringer because the Roman persecution has scattered and uh, the, the persecution that's happened in Jerusalem has scattered so many of these young believers and we're not far removed from, from uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in, in, in historical standpoint. But the point is, is that they were under persecution. They were under suffering. They were under some hard times. And, and Peter's reminding them of this. He's saying, hey, your new life in Christ is complete. So we, we carry that into hard places, right? Now, the other thing he's trying to get them to understand is, is this, is that they are separated from the world. It's much like what Paul would say in, in his uh, writings to the Romans in verse 12, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, right? Because there's a pattern in the world that wants you to conform itself too. They, they've been begotten of God. They've been born again. He, he's showing us that our part in this getting our minds into this is actually our minds are catching up to the full reality of it. How many of you remember what I was saying last week? And I can just catch you up really quick. Oftentimes when we're born again, do you know that you're seated in heavenly places? Oh, no, come on, really? No, you're seated in heavenly places. All things pertaining to life and godliness are given to you right then in that moment. Well, what needs to happen? So much time we're frustrated because we, we don't understand that it's by our mind that we need to be renewed. Our mind needs to catch up. That's why so many books have been written over the battlefield of the mind, the, the bait of Satan. Where does he come? He, he attacks you in your mind. And so as these young believers are, are, are wondering, oh, my gosh, they're vacillating here. They're, they're being thrown around here and there. And Peter says, hey, you need to catch your mind up to this, right? And it's a beautiful thing because in that last chapter of 1 Peter 1, this is what he outlines for them. He says they have three incorruptible things. Tap your neighbor and say incorruptible. That means nothing can tarnish it. Nothing can take it away, right? I mean, this is permanence, right? God does not save you and then throw you back out into the world and say, do your best to figure it out. No, he gives us these three incorruptible things, and they are. One is the incorruptible inheritance. You and I as believers have an incorruptible inheritance. Amen, Jason. The second thing is this. He says, you have an incorruptible redemption. Watch this. You know how beautiful this is? Here's the fact that I've received Christ, but then I continue to screw up trying to figure this whole thing out. And then my screw ups call me, cause me to realize that I have lost my salvation. Once you're in Christ's hands, this is what I preach, and this is what I believe the Bible is true to be, that if you are in Christ, nothing can separate you from his hand. And that's grace. That's the mercy gives grace, right? 
Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then the third thing is this, we have not only an incorruptible inheritance and incorruptible redemption, but we have an incorruptible word. And I think he saves this for last is because, because why? Because I'll tell you, we need the word to train us in all things righteousness. We need this word to train us in all things righteous. So in chapter two, Peter is going to call them into the incorruptible word. Do you know that God's word never fails? God's word never fails. God's word never returns void. Did you know that one? It never returns void. It goes forth and, it, and when it does it, it accomplishes that which is sent to do, right? Do you remember the word that Jesus sent before Lazarus? Would, would, he would even be in Lazarus' presence. I can give you an example of this in real time. Jesus sends a word as, as, as the sister came and says, hurry, 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 please get to him, get to him. If you don't get to him, it's going to end bad. And Jesus sends forth the word. He says, this sickness will not end in death. Guess what? But he died. No, come on. You know what I'm talking about, though. No, but it didn't end in death. And you know what it it says? Listen to me. Do not miss this. So that the glory of God may be experienced by these watching. Can I tell you something? For the believer, you're never going to (laughs) die. I know, Basil. That's good stuff. Do you know that death has lost its sting? Death is the, has been swallowed up in victory. You know that our body will expire, but one day the, the dead in Christ will rise in our body. But let me tell you something. As a believer, your spirit will live on. I mean, we have that incorruptible inheritance, that incorruptible redemption, that it's not based upon my behavior and my effort. It's based upon the gospel grace that his blood accomplished. Read Hebrews chapter 10, by the way. And then we have this incorruptible word. Now, how we need this incorruptible word to wash out all of the stuff that weighs us down. And, and we see here in the passage, and I'm going to read it right quick. Turn with me to, to 1 Peter 2. You're probably already there. If you're there, say amen. Here we go. You ready? I'm going to start in, in this. I, actually, you know what, Doug? Don't even follow me. I'm just going to back up. And this is what he says in verse 22 of chapter 1. He says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love for the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives forever. Because all grass is, all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower fades away. But the word of the Lord stands, endures forever. Now this is the word, watch, by which the gospel was preached to you. Peter handed them this kind of gospel, a gospel that's incorruptible. Hey, hallelujah. Now, this is the word that by which the gospel was preached to you. Now, say it with me. Say it with me. Therefore. What does therefore mean? It means everything I said. Now, you don't know this. You may know this, but I'll tell you. Everything from 13 to 25 needs to be applied now. The effect of of 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25 is about to be drawn into effect. 
forgive me if I get animated this morning. I may come out of this jacket because I'm pumped to give you this word this morning. I love the season we're in at Freedom Church where we're discovering the depths of God's grace and his mercy. Right? I love it. I love it. I love it. It's just a personal revival that I've just been having over and over again. I thought being a pastor for 10 years, I'd have to keep myself warmed up to this thing. But then in the last year, God has been like, I'm fixing to show you something you've never seen before. Huh? I've been at this 10 years. You don't, you don't, you know, there's nothing. Tim, the word is incorruptible. It goes on and on forever. Don't you ever think you could exhaust it? Amen. Amen. And so thankful, thankful, thankful. So it says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him. Two more verses. As to a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Sound separated? Very much. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I want to say. It's a big idea for what I'm trying to say. Now, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big idea, but here we go. Growth happens when you know. <laughs> you say, man, come on, I'm paying you a little bit more for that. No, you're not. Because, you know, in this season right now, we need the simplicity. If you want to grow, it's not by your own effort to do. If you're going to grow, you've got to get it in your knower. Can I tell you something? You may not know this. You may not know this. Like I'm talking about, there's a thought. It's like, I, 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 I could, I think I know how to do that. Right? Like I, I know how to perform surgery in my mind. I, I think I could do it, but I don't know it. You know why? Because I hadn't tried it. No, I haven't proven it. Right. To grow, you got to know. Right. And all I'm trying to say is this, is that is that oftentimes we we have this idea in my mind. Can I tell you something? What you may know, but you may not prove yet. Greater is he that's in you. That's he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What does that help us do? Well, it's not a, a, a Hobby Lobby sentiment on a piece of wall art. It's actually the truth of everything you can see and you can't see. And oftentimes our wees get neek, our faith begins to buckle, our hope has got a leak in it, and we get into a place of stumbling and groaning and moaning and all these things, but yet we have failed to realize that this word needs to be pulled all the way down in me. Amen. Therefore, so growth happens when we know. Now, the gospel of Christ, we're going to get to this at the end. The gospel of Christ cancels your old nature. And the church said, Amen. and brings a new one of true holiness and righteousness. Come on, let me tell you something right quick. God did not save you to only halfway get you to where you're going. 
you show me that in the gospel. You, you show me where the thief on the cross was there, right? And, G, and Jesus says, well, you know, you'll be with me in paradise. I'm going to give you one more day to prove to me that you're a Christian. But I'm going to give you one more day. No, he says, today, right now, you're with me in paradise. What's this saying? God does not send Jesus in, into our lives so that we may get the rest of it. We have it all. We just need to get our mind caught up into it. That's It's the truth of it. It's the truth of it. It's the truth. You can argue with me all you want, and I'd love to take you to coffee. But the gospel of Christ cancels our old nature. Can I tell you something? Your old nature is done with in Christ. It's done. How do I know this? Because I know this because the word does not contradict itself. Because you can't say, well, I, but, but I die daily. No, you can't. Because you're unschooled in Paul's reason for even writing that. That's not what he's writing that for. This is not a spiritual death. Because it sounds, it sounds good. I get up in the morning and I die daily. And, you're say, and you, you know what? You're doing something that Paul never even prescribed you to do. We don't know this, though. We, we bought it from someone else who didn't know, right? But it sounds good in theory. I die daily. You don't die daily. You die once and you live forever, Amen. right? Amen. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in Christ. Woo. So guess what? <laughs> my Christian life is like the Indian man. You've heard this one? How many of you heard this one? Just raise your hand if you heard it. My life is like the Indian and, 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 and there's two dogs fighting. And it's, and it's the one who wins. The one who wins, wins what? Your life? Because I'm not playing that game. Because if, my, if the flesh dog, the one I feed, the more wins... That is the most asinine biblical construct I've ever heard in my life. You know what that does? That buys you an out to keep your flesh active. It does. And we whimper and we moan and we nying, 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 nying. And I'm not dismissing any of your things, right? I mean, come on, we all have it. But I mean, come on, we, we have to realize what Peter is writing here. You know what he's saying? He says, they are after your life. They're coming for your life. But they can't have it. So if America could wake up in this hour, it would, it would be something like this. Wake up and tune in to the life of Christ. Amen. I feel good this morning. Therefore, now let me explain this to you. I've said a lot in this intro. Therefore, is understood to reach back to verses 13 through 25 of the previous chapter. Because this gospel of grace causes us to lay aside. Therefore, Peter has just demonstrated the glory and the eternal character of God's word. 
Now, therefore, in light of what God's word is to us, we should receive the word and receive it with a genuine, sincere heart. Amen. So, number one is this. If you're writing notes, ignorance to God's word, I'm, I'm, I'm not this any, ignorance to God's word keeps you in dumbville. Literal immaturity ville. And what's the point Peter's saying? You need to know the word. You need to know, you need to know the word. Oftentimes, how many of you have ever tried to lay aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy? And none of us in this room want to do these things, right? Right, but, but there's been places in our life where we're like, man, you know what? I just got to, you know, be careful of that. Watch out for that. And I think it's clear that Peter's saying, saying lay that aside. Well, let me, let me explain something to you. Oftentimes, we take on the identity of sin's nature when we call it our own problem that we have to overcome. Sounds good in theory. But now I got a gambling issue. And so now I'm a believer. Now, ooh, I feel guilty about that. So I got to clean that up. So what do I do? I start actually working deeper into getting that sin out rather than getting the understanding of who I am in Christ. Do you understand this happens? But do you understand how cool this sounds that, that this is be, what's the, yes, I'm a believer now. Now what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to uproot all of this mess for God in my life. No, you're not. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna expend all your energy on something that cannot be eradicated by your own power. I love this simply that he just says, lay it aside. <laughs> like he doesn't like fast over it, pray over it, cast it out. Like we, you know, in the spiritual realm world, we're like, get that thing cast out, get that stuff. He just says, lay it aside. I love this in another word. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. Like, we spend a lot of, of trouble and heartache on, on things that just can be dealt with in a very simple manner. Now, let me go a little bit. You want to go a little bit deeper on this? Let's go a little bit deeper on this. So oftentimes we take the identity of sin's nature and we call it our own. Overeating, gambling, lying, lust, you know, and we're like, man, I'm just, I, I'm not going to do that today. I swear to God, to you, God, I'm not going to do that today. And then what do you do? It stares you right in the face. And it's like almost everywhere you look, it's like right here. I'm, I'm almost like this. The more you call into existence, the more the reality becomes in your life. You know, it's like, I'm not going to deal with that anymore. And it, there it is. It's like, oh, crap. We make the overcoming of sin our victory and not the work of the gospel. These things don't reveal who you are. Why? They reveal who you're not. Amen. What if, and this is what I feel like Peter's prescribing here. He's saying, lay that aside, be done with that, because that's not who you are. That's who you're not. <laughs> what if you and I begin to take the things that we're trying to grow through and we begin to every day say, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. And do you know that too many believers stay in a state of mind where they, where they actually rehearse to themselves that that's who they actually are? But can I tell you something? You are a new creation in Christ. 
How could he look at you and label you a lust problem, a greed problem, a, 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 a XYZ problem? He doesn't, when he looks upon you, guess what he sees? He sees the blood of Christ. That's, there's no if, ands, buts about it. When God judges you, he doesn't judge you in your sin. He judges you by the blood. This is amazing. This is why Peter's saying, be done with that. That's not you anymore. So how do we know that this is not who we are not by the word? You know why? Because the word does not call you a gambler. The word does not call you a greed. The word does not call you one stuck in the cycle of your sin. The word does not call you a liar. The word does not call you that. It doesn't call you that in the gospel. It calls you an overcomer. It calls you a more than conqueror. Are you with me? It calls you his own possession. It's going to call you later a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. So you got you to gotta settle on what the word calls you, right? The gracious, oh, I love that. The gracious word of the Lord does not tell you you're a sinner. The law does that. The gospel does not call you a sinner. The law calls you a sinner. And the law is very good at calling you a sinner because that's the work of the law to reveal to you that you have no hope without an eternal blood. Amen. So I feel like this, more people are stuck in a lawful mindset trying to serve God and get freedom through the law of trying to overcome it something when the thing has already been overcome. Why don't we just apply the victory in our mind? I promise you this, you could start this way. You could begin every day to rehearse who you are in Christ, and I guarantee you, you would find more power in that than trying to muscle up strength in the flesh to overcome what you're trying to fight against. And you know what you do? You wouldn't be trying to cancel the darkness. You'd be you'd just every day, you'd just be turning the light on. Just turning the light on. Turn the light on. God, I cast this darkness out of here. I cast this, I cast this, I cast this. I bind this in the name of Jesus. Just turn the Just turn the light on. You know what mama used to do? She'd make us take the broom. Sweep the devil out of the house. It, 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 was, it was showing us kids something. But then I grew up. And you know what I grew up into? It's just, Jesus, hold on. No, this is not how this goes. Jesus is Lord of this house. Jesus is Lord of my family. Jesus is the keeper of my life. Guess what? These thoughts begin to unattach out of my mind and they begin to leave because I'm actually calling on the one who is eternal. Right? Are y'all getting anything today? Come on. If, if, if Romans 8 tells you that there's no condemnation, no separation or no defeat, will you believe it? The question is this, is are we going to let the gracious word of the Lord, which is what he's telling here, indeed, you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. The, pro, the question is, is, are we going to let the gracious word of the Lord tell us who we are? I would say you need to. I am too, Angel. Because I don't, I don't want a lawful thing to tell me who I am. I don't, I don't want the law to tell me who I am. The law puts condemnation right back on me. And the gracious hand of the Lord says, get that off of him. They're mine. Right? Go free in Jesus' name. You can see it all through the Bible of what I'm talking about. Number two is this. The word is necessary for growth. Now, remember this, that, that there was no Bible at the time, Andrew, of this writing. 
There was no collected, canonized word of God in this time frame. What would you do? <laughs> we, we kind of put it on our arm. You know, what would Jesus do? No, that's all they had. <laughs> they, they didn't have a lot. Like, it's like, oh, man, I'm going through this issue. Hey, turn to Psalms. And, and he said, Psalms, Psalms what? Psalms what? Where, where are you going to find that at? And it, you know what I said? That's exactly right, Evelyn. Yeah, you know what I said? It says, what is the word of God here? When I got this, I was blessed, and I pray you're blessed by this as well. Because I had to look at this very hard to see what this was, because I didn't want to bring a two-cent biblical answer in here today. And when you understand that Peter is prescribing them, because there is no Bible, watch this. They had a craving. You might pick it up and you might not. I just pray that the good Lord just reveals it to you. They had a craving as infants crave pure milk. And you know how they got that craving, Lord? They got that craving because they had heard the testimony of one who could set free. And let me tell you something. When you have sat in your stuff so long and you have realized that there is no other way out, you will become like a blind Bartimaeus of your generation that says, you're not going to tell me to shut up because I hear the one coming who can set my eyes free. And this is what the Lord showed me. He says, the church in America has lost its true craving for the gospel. Remember this, there was no Bible at this time. What did they have to believe on if they didn't have the Bible? They had an insatiable craving for spiritual milk. Just give me some of that milk. You know, every time I go to my, my, my Brookshire's grocery store, the new one up the road up there, me and Riley are shopping in that Brookshire's grocery store, and I'm going to that milk aisle, and Cheryl wants us to get something that looks blue. <laughs> it looks so light that I could put a flashlight up and see through it. It's called skim. And Tim, don't do skim. And I tell Riley, I say, hey, let's get some of that good stuff. And Brookshire's is owned by Texas people. And Texas people know something about dairy. And they have a product in there that is, is, is made from a dairy in Texas, and it comes in those old-fashioned cold glass bottles. And it was sitting there, and I looked at it, and the milk fat had done a symbol that thick on the top. And it said on the top, shake well before drinking. And I said, why would I want to do that when I can get that first good take of that, that milk fat? I love dairy so much, I put half and half in my cereal. <laughs> I like dairy. I have a craving. We all have a craving. And you know what? You, you're, you're not, you were not made to crave. Uh, let me back that up. You were made to crave. You, you were made to crave. But the lie of the enemy, the lie of culture is, is that we are fixated on craving the wrong thing. Right. 
And, and Peter here is saying, you, you, you're, it's your craving. You Listen to me. Listen to me, church. The Lord showed me this. And he said, tell my people this. He said, they grow by aiming their craving. You grow by aiming your craving at the word and not culture. You aim by, by, by aiming your craving. Come and tell you, don't you know some of us are so wrapped up in our craving that we can't, we're blind to it. You, you, let me just point it out. I'm going to be that pastor right quick. You, you haven't opened your Bible in, in years. You had, you know nothing of what the real, you know nothing and you're okay with it. Because you've been indoctrinated to come into a room and have a preacher preach at you and you feel better about it because we all clap and we all say, we went to church today. But your life has no craving for the pure spiritual milk word of God. You're satisfied. As Paul would write in another place, their appetites are in their belly. You want a three-piece snack. I mean, come on, we're all there. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, until you learn, listen, you're, you're the, the room of your life, the, your cravings will allow things into the room of your life. That's why I'm saying, kick those out, please. Lay them aside. Get rid of that. Don't, that's not who you are anymore. We're not craving that anymore. We used to crave that in my old life. That was Tim B.C., right? That was me in my B.C. days. But now I'm after death, right? I have died. Now I'm alive. And so, Tim, does that, are you a robot? Are you, are, what, are you saying you're perfected? When he looks at me, I am perfected now. That is wild. That is wild. That you may be perfected in him, Right? Now, now think about this. The room of your life is filled with the cravings of your heart. The room of your life is filled with the cravings of your life. It's, it's never the fact that I want depression or anxiety or, or porn or any of these things to live in my life. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Maybe I'll help someone. I discovered the secret of overcoming porn. You know what it is? That every time I, I wanted to, to, to look at something that was not real, it was not a reality of mine. It always comes through a, a foreign object. It always comes through a, you know, a, a channel, an air. Oh, wait, let me just be very descriptive with you this morning because I, I just feel like let's just go there. I asked God one day, why can't I overcome this? And he says, you're trying to do it in the arm of the flesh. I deleted the app. <laughs> I closed all the circuits. I cut it off. Guess what? This wasn't fixed. And he says, the, your problem is, is what, do you, what do you need fixed in your life? And this is, this is how I can take you an example and show you what malice is. You know what malice is? I'll come back to my story in a minute. I may or not be right on that, Joe. I'll, I'll let you know in just a little bit. Malice is, is, is wanting evil to happen to another person. 
So, I mean, it's, 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 it's wanting in your mind evil and harm to come upon someone else. It's a malice. Malice is very evil. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's when you look at it. But you know what the opposite of malice is? Goodwill. Goodwill. Glory in the highest, peace on earth and to men. That's why Jesus came, so there'd be goodwill. But guess what? Malice is rooted where? See, see, when you begin to understand that when God looks at these things, he doesn't separate these things out. He just looks and he says, that is sin and that is death. So you don't, you don't get a pass today if you don't find your item on the list. We're all in that place. But the way to overcome it is the way I'm about to tell you. You have to trace the, 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 the thing all the way back to the craving, the desire. It's like we got, uh, you know, uh, pot is more acceptable these days to get a little, you know, because it's, 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 it's legal now. Culture will dismiss anything that the Spirit's trying to tell you. You have to decide that in your heart where your craving is going to be founded in. And all I'm trying to say is this, is that one day I was sitting alone and the, and the craving came over me to look at something. And, and, I, and, I, and I just said, this is, I don't even know how I did this, but this is what I said. I said, Holy Spirit, help me. Help. And this is what ensued. Instead of me Fulfilling the craving through the flesh, he took me and fulfilled the craving spiritually. See, before you were created in the flesh, you were known about by spirit. And every one of us who have these things that we deal with, can I tell you something? If you struggle with that in, in and of itself, and more women struggle with it, with men, so this is not just a man thing this morning, and that's just one thing, but you all want to be fulfilled in your cravings. Can I tell you something? The root of the craving is that you long for intimacy. Your flesh wants a release. But your spirit desires intimacy. You know what it wants? I wish my wife was here today because I would look into eyes and I would say, this is the woman, the only woman by the grace of God that I am, I am intimate with. And as I'm intimate with her, the Holy Spirit is present and he is delighted in that kind of intimacy. He's actually present in that kind of intimacy. He's not like, oh, I'm not going to watch that. He's like, you got it. You understand? This is amazing. Yes. So if you're not, if you're not married and you're sneaking, God's not pleased. He's not, your craving is, your craving's fallen too short. You haven't aimed your craving higher. And Peter's saying, lay that mess aside and aim your craving to the pure spiritual milk can i tell you something there's nothing that god cannot deliver you through nothing but i'm gonna tell you something god doesn't just want to deliver you through it he wants you to teach you and give you the understanding of why it's there what's the opposite of malice goodwill
What's Peter just said? So that you would what? Be loving to the people around you, right? Yes. So I was there in my place of aloneness and I invited Holy Spirit and says, if you'll give me that craving every time, I will give you the victory every time. And I will teach you how to aim your cravings higher. Hello. Hello. Malice has a flesh craving. You know, it seeks condemnation against someone else. But if you feel it, and you will, fill in the blank. You will. Aim the thought higher and ask Holy Spirit to come and bring the fulfillment himself. I'll tell you something, you'll get the victory. Amen? Amen. Peter here is saying this, if indeed you have tasted. What's Peter saying? The degree that you have experienced the gospel is the degree that you will crave it more and more and more. More and more and more and more. Now, coming to him. Now, turn with me really quick, and I'm going to close, I promise. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. When you get there, say amen. Okay, Ephesians 4. And I'm going to start at 17. I'm just going to read through. And I want, I want to read through a couple of things. Now, where did my paper go that I had? Oh, let's see. Oh, that ain't it. Did I take it? I must take it out of my Bible. Anyway, I'm not worried about it. I'll, I'll wing it. The Holy Spirit will get me through it. Are you ready for this? Praise the Lord. Therefore, I... I say this, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, in the death thinking of their mind, right? Having their understandings darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness in their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness and cleanness with greediness. Watch this. But you have not so learned from Christ. Amen? Amen. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Where's the truth at, y'all? It's in Christ. It's in, it's in him. Watch it. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. Now, this is why we have to deal with this right now, and we have to deal with it swiftly, that the old man in you is dead and done with. Because watch. You want to do it right now? Just put him off right now. And just and reckon your members dead and, and unto God. They're, it's just done. Your old, your old man is done, Right? That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Watch this. And now here's the part where so many people get stuck and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Right? That and that you put on the new man 
which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So in God, this new man was created in true righteousness and holiness. Now, what's all, what's all this saying? The life that we are living now as believers is totally opposite than the one we lived before. They are totally contradictory to one another. One equals death and the other one equals life. I'm just telling you this this morning, church. Get it in your mind that you are alive in Christ and in him you have the victory. Amen? Now, let me, let me say this in closing one more time. The gospel of Christ cancels the old nature and brings a new one. Amen? Of what? True holiness and true righteousness. This is your new nature. This is, this is your identity in Christ. Believe it. Believe it. Would you stand with me in closing? Thank you, Lord.